2: And welcome to First Strike here on Visa. And I'm your host, Dave Ross. For the next hour, we're going to break down a very intriguing fight card. Mateus Gamrot going to take on Rafael Faziv in the main event. Gamrot right now, a small dog. Going to break that down with Zaid Hussein in studio here momentarily. Lou Finnecaro, Jordan Sherwood, and Reed Kuhn. But before we look ahead, let's go back to a wild Noche UFC right here. T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Conspiracy theorist. I do not believe there was some sort of fix-in for the bad 10-8. We all saw it. It was terrible judging. It should not have been a 10-8 in the fifth round, but mistakes happen in MMA. But that 10-8 round given to Alexa Grasso in that fifth and final round made it a split draw between the bullet, Valentina Shevchenko, and Alexa Grasso, a very intriguing fight on so many different levels. The the debate of scoring, which we've had here on First Strike for years only gets amplified after what we saw in Las Vegas. I hope there is a third fight between these ladies to settle the score. I know Valentina feels like she was jobbed a little bit on this one. Alexa gets to retain her belt with that split draw decision. Wow. Without further ado, let's bring in the man you can see on Props.com, Zaid Hussein, kind enough to come all the way from Chicago in studio. Zaid, great to have you in. I know it's been the topic of MMA for the last... 48 hours, 72 hours beyond, about the scoring and the judging. But it does affect our handicaps, right, when we look at some of these fights. How do you look at it? Because I look at it, I saw the Nevada State Athletic Commission is going to say, hey, we're going to take the judges aside. We're going to train you guys and women a little bit better to make sure we have the right criteria for scoring. Because I don't think anybody
3: in their right mind thought that was a 10-8 round, but mistakes happen with judging. Yeah, 100%. And, and we've seen it so many times in the UFC and even in other promotions as well. You know, judges having an off night. And, and this was, you know, he's usually a, a good judge mm-hmm. here. And and this is the first time where we've seen him, you know, a 10-8 round. You cannot really justify that in the fifth. But, you know, a lot of people could argue the fourth round could have went the other way. So, overall, I think this is a spot where you have to just get it right eventually. And they're doing the right things, like you said, bringing on new people, having them being taught and... And that's what you got to do. That's the only way you can
2: do it, right? We can all sit here and cry over spilled milk. I had Valentina Chevchenko via decision, thought Mm -hmm. I was going to cash that ticket. And then you see the draw come out and you go, wait, how does that happen? This is how it happens. But I I do think on the up and up, the only thing you really can do now is train better. So that's what it sounds like they're going to try to do. So we all get a better idea of what exactly the judges are looking at, because that's been a point of contention here for quite some time. Let's get to this card this week, uh, and certainly in certainly that main event, and I mentioned it off the top here with Gamrot against Faziv. And you and I were talking even before we began the, the show today, Zaid. and it's like, you look at the quality opponents that Gamrot's had against the favorite here in Rafael Faziv, Does that lead you towards possibly having a live dog scenario?
3: Yeah, 100%. I think you have to ride with Gamrot, Um, Overall, Gamrat's never been finished in his career. And that's something to point out. When you have 24 professional fights and you haven't been finished, it shows you how durable he really is. And when you look at his his wrestling and the timing that he has, this is arguably, it's not even a question how tough of a wrestler he is that Faziva's has faced in his career. So this is the toughest test to date for his wrestling side. Now, when you look at what Gamrat has done to other fighters against Jalen Turner, taking the fight on short notice, mm-hmm. taking him down, taking him into deep waters. And then you look at Faziv struggling with guys like RDA, struggling, I mean, look at his best wins, Bobby Green, RDA and Brad Riddell, which haven't really aged well in the UFC. I think you have to take Gamrat as a live dog at plus 130 just because of his wrestling success that he could have in this fight?
2: The wrestling success, because that's the thing I look at Gamrot, and look, this is MMA, right? He's a true mixed martial artist. So you're assuming we might see a Tarzukian type fight where it's just these crazy exchanges. Can Fazeev handle that on the ground? Or is it Fazeev, the only way to victory for him is,
3: I gotta stuff those takedowns, keep the fight standing where I can utilize my striking ability. I think he has to keep it standing. And, and you mentioned Sarzukian. Armand Sarzoukian is literally the best wrestler right now outside of Islam Makachev inside the UFC. Mm-hmm. And you look at what Gamrat and him did, that was one of the most spectacular fights, wrestling-wise, that you could have inside the UFC. So I think when you have Gamrat here, you, you know his path to victory is the wrestling, and the timing on those takedowns are gonna be the biggest factor in this fight. And I think he's gonna be able to do it.
2: When you look at the totals here, and again, it is just a little bit to the over four and a half rounds here, at minus minus dollar thirty, but not out of, out of whack here, like we saw last week with the Grassov Shevchenko fight. That means that there might be some finishing potential here. Would you dabble into some of those sub prices for Gamera at plus 550? KO, TKRDQs, is 8 to 1 to win via decision plus 285. Or do you just say, no, I'm already getting plus
3: money. I don't want to get too cute with it. You know, I think you have to just take the plus money and not get too cute. However, if you're going to play a Gamrot sub, I like it late because I think he's going to push a real tough pace on Faziv and, and you can see him gassing late. So overall, if you're going to play a submission, I like a late submission prop, um, rounds four and five, but I think Gamrot's so durable here that you have to play the over.
2: Okay, so again, probably look to that over here. It is slightly juiced to minus $1. thirty for over four and a half rounds. And again, when Gamrot was, where ta- Fazeev rather, was taken down no disrespect to Justin Gaethje. Because we know the highlight can wrestle. Mm-hmm. And that's when he said afterward, hey, for all you blanker blankers out there, I finally utilize my wrestling. You got to think Gamrot's licking his chops if you can see Justin Gaethje utilize that strategy. 100%. And that's why we're back in the side. All Plus right. Gonna, 130. Going to go with the dog here for Zayd in that main event. When we look at the co-main event here, and Bryce Mitchell, if you follow him on social media, he's going through some things. And he's playing it out there for the public to see, Right girlfriend issues and all this crazy stuff. He kind of has that wild man mentality. We know what he wants to do. He wants to wrestle, speaking of. Against 50k Dan Ige here. We know Ige would prefer this to stay standing. This price is really ballooned. As we get closer and closer to Saturday, what do you make of Bryce's headspace coming in here as over a 2 dollar betting favorite?
3: Yeah, I mean, when you look at Bryce on on the spot, he opened minus 125. He got steamed up Two minus 205, minus 210 in certain spots. Bryce Mitchell's advantage here is going to be the wrestling, and it's what it's always been in his career. Um, he lost to Ilya Taporia, who's arguably one of the best. People mm-hmm. are saying he could possibly beat Volkanovsky, which is something huge. You know, that's going to be a big fight. But Bryce Mitchell's wrestling is going to be the difference maker here, and I think he's going to just shoot continuous takedowns, and once he gets one takedown, he's so good on top with his skill, grappling-wise, he will hold Ige down. And I think it's going to be a real tough fight for Ige, and it's reflective in the price at minus 200 right now.
2: And again, you see that total here for 2.5. Zay, to your point, look at the over. Mm -hmm. heavily juiced, minus 225 for this fight to go over without picking a winner just to hit the cards. It's minus $1.90. Does that lead you then, if you don't want to lay the $2 now, since you got the better of the number for people out there now late to the party and looking, man, do I want to lay 205 on Bryce Mitchell? Is there another way? Would you look via decision at minus $1.15
3: as a better opportunity? Or do you think there could be finishing potential? There could be finishing potential, but I think it's slight finishing potential. So I think overall, if you want a cheaper price tag, Bryce Mitchell, by decision, is a perfect spot. You know, Ige is a durable fighter, but I just think he's going to be outclassed in the grappling field here. So I could see Mitchell, you know, laying on him and and just controlling him for three straight rounds, like he's did to Edson Barbosa and other fighters in the past.
2: Unless he goes for a twister.
3: Yes, who knows? Right. Do we have <laughs> right. the camel shorts? Can we get the camel Came right shorts back? All right. I mean, yeah. We don't
2: see that very often in the UFC, but it's certainly something Bryce Mitchell, we know he might try to do. He's done it before. Uh, let's go down this card a little bit here, Zay, and see if you have any value that you see on a Tuesday. Charles Jordan is back in there against Ricardo uh, Ramos right now. Ramos, a small dog in this one. Pretty even uh, right now, seeing minus $1. thirty-five for Jordan. What do you make of this matchup here at 145?
3: Yeah, I, I like the Ricardo Ramos side, to be honest, as a dog. I think Charles Jourdain's a fighter we saw against Crohn Gracie, who looked mm. really, really good. But then again, it's Crone Gracie who doesn't have that. that Don't stroke. remind me yeah. of that fight, Zay. It's like he came out of like the 1980s and, and just came in and fought in the <laughs> UFC. I mean, you know, he's great on the ground, obviously a technician on the ground, but the striking skills weren't there. And Jourdain shined, obviously. So I think. This is kind of a recency bias for Jordan, priced at minus 135. I think Ricardo Hamos has the better striking on the feet. And overall, you know, I think he's a better kickboxer. I like him at this price at plus 114, and I'll take a shot on the underdog.
2: Okay, yeah, because I was in the Cron Gracie side. That's one of the more frustrating fights of all time. Like, please, you've got to be kidding me. We can't just drop to the ground and try to get the guy to come down there. I think Jordan's going to get a standing match up here, but you do think Ricardo is live here at plus 114. A dollar fourteen. The AJ Fletcher Brian battle fight intrigues me. I'm looking at the dog at uh, plus a dollar forty five right now at Fletcher, but you have cardio concerns
3: for that dog, correct? Yes. You know, I think Fletcher. He's not a guy that's been. Battle, battle, tested. You know, when you look at Brian Battle, he's a guy that's going to be game and he's going to be in your face all three rounds. I think Fletcher could gas here with those muscles, throwing hard punches. The wrestling success he might be able to have late, but I don't see it. I think Battle's going to be able to defend takedowns and it's effective in the place at Battle at minus 175. I think Battle could get him out of there, honestly. And that, look at the uh, the reach advantage. We're talking about a 10-inch reach advantage for the 6-1 against
2: the 5-10. So mm-hmm. the only way that I think Fletcher probably would be live, is if the
3: wrestling and the cardio holds up. That's a lot of ifs. That's Mm -hmm. why you're back in the favorite here? Yes, yeah. I I would take the favorite at minus 175, um, and and you have to roll battle here. Uh, Marina Rodriguez
2: against Michelle Watterson Gomez. uh, For those of us of a certain age, we've seen Michelle Watterson kind of grow up in that octagon. It feels like for a long time now, but she is 37. Rodriguez isn't necessarily a spring chicken. She's at 36, but it feels like in octagon time, We've got an older, a much older fighter than the actual age would reflect. How do you surmise this one now with Marina
3: ballooning over to a $3 betting favorite? Yeah, and and don't let the price tag on Marina scare you from betting her because I think she should be closer to a $4 favorite. Woo. And Marina right now you could get at minus 300, minus 310 in certain spots. Watterson has lost five of her last six fights, okay? She's coming off, or she already lost against Rodriguez in the past in a main event. I think she's not going to have the wrestling to be able to get Rodriguez down that other fighters have had, been able to do against Rodriguez. And Rodriguez is going to have the advantage on the feet. She's mm-hmm. going to be able to strike. She's going to be able to pick her apart. And she almost put her away multiple times in her previous fight. So I think you could argue that she's closer to a $4 price tag. So I laid the 3-to-1 here. I laid the chalk. And I'm on the Rodriguez side. Almost two
2: to one to go via decision. It's minus an hour eighty for Rodriguez here with that over juice so heavily at minus three fifty. Would you take a shot there? Or do you think she might
3: be able to get Michelle out of there? I think she could possibly get Michelle out of there, and I like the by finish at three to one.
2: All right, only have about 30 seconds to go, Zaid. Uh, have you enjoyed your time in Vegas so far? It's been
3: a great time. We're nine and one in the circuit contest. Look at that! We're ready to roll. Let's go, guys. Zayd, great to have you in studio. Thanks for coming, Thanks, in, my brother. I appreciate it. There he is, everybody. Zayd Hussein.
2: When we come back, and to go out to Arizona, catch up with the one and only Lou Finocerro. That's next here. First Strike on Veasan, the sports betting network. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet the UFC. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You're going to be able to bet on more than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and features for all MMA events. Eligible restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for all the terms and conditions. Back here on First Strike in Las Vegas. Always a pleasure to catch up with Gam Blue. That's you, how you follow him on X as I do. The one and only, well, and only Lou Finicaro. And when Lou is not on the show... We get a lot of like, where's Lou? Where's Lou? Kansas City, Lou. You were out of town last week, right? How was KC? KC to me is one of the
4: greatest cities in America, Dave. If they didn't have winter, I'd live in Kansas <laughs> City. I, I really mean it. It's a it's a great place. The barbecues, super. My mom lives there. I had to go. Uh, she's 85. She's having back surgery. I just had to go check things out, make sure everything's on the up and up. But she's doing great. Uh, I was sorry to miss, but I'm happy to be back.
2: I will just tell you this. I know mom is watching right now. She's going to put the prayer words up for for Mrs. Finicaro. make sure mom Finicaro is doing just fine. Lou, great to have you Thank back. You. As always, my friend, let's get right to uh, the main event here. And again, when I look at the Charles Jordan, and again, I'm trying to get that Kron Gracie fight, out of my memory, one of the worst fights that we've seen in quite some time. Now against uh, Rafael Ramos in this one, and uh, we got Ramos here as a small dog. What do you make of Jordan now coming off that win against Kron?
4: Well, I'm not going to hold that win against him because it, it wasn't he that made the fight awkward. Mm-hmm. It, it was Kron and, and his singular dimension, BJJ, of which is great, but in whether he belongs in the mixed martial arts world, we're now past that. In this fight, I think what we're going to get is Jordan's going to have someone there that's going to acquiesce him in that. We're going to have a stand-up striking battle, I believe, with Ramos here. And I think they're two evenly matched guys. Interestingly enough, it looks like the favorites switched slightly since openers. I don't know what to make of that, except that I, I think I do lean to Jourdain. He's been the more active fighter, and it's Ramos that's been off for a year, year
2: and a half or so. I'm going to uh, correct myself. Ricardo Lucas Ramos in this one. So he is now, as you mentioned, flipped to being the dog side here. Jordan the favorite here at minus $1. thirty-five, And I think, Lou, I'm picking up what you're putting down, maybe leaning towards that Jordan side. When you look at Brian Battle against A.J. Fletcher, and again, just the 10-inch reach advantage that Battle has, maybe that's leading us to him being a $1. seventy-five favorite. We have to assume that Fletcher wants to get inside and try to get this fight down to the ground. How do you see this one play out? And if the cardio can last, is Fletcher live to you?
4: I think I have to regard Fletcher as live because of his compact body, his wrestling nature, and his power. Uh, and then when you wrap all those together, the kid, even though his record is, you know, off balance, what one and three or so in the UFC. He has put out great effort in each fight. Now, in the long, lanky battle, we got a guy that can crack, as evidenced by him knocking out Rodriguez some fights back. Mm -hmm. So uh, I want to like battle here. I don't know if I like the price too much, uh, but I do think battle's the right side, and I think that he can keep AJ at the end of his strikes and just blister him with volume.
2: Because we're looking at this total in this potential three round matchup set at around and a half, which you don't see many of those, that leads us to the indication that we're seeing some finishing potential here. But look at the over at one and a half, juiced heavily at over two dollars at minus two twenty. If that one and a half prop leads us to the to the pathway of possible finishes. Would you look at A.J. Fletcher possibly by sub at 8-1 to if the fight gets down to the ground? KOTKRDQ, if it goes ground a pound, plus 350 for the dog. And consequently, for the bigger favorite, you could get battle KOTKRDQ plus 475 or submission, again, if it hits the ground, at plus 265. Would you look at the prop side here where you get those juicy plus numbers? Yeah, you
4: want to, but, boy, that can get me seeing stars. (laughs) To me... Uh, why are they making it so difficult to go over one and a half? Because I believe this fight's going over one and a half. You're not getting AJ out of there quickly, nor do I think AJ can catch up with battle in a round and a half. I'd have to bite the bullet and either take the over Dave or find props that this, yeah, uh, goes over two and a half or starts
2: the third. Yeah, maybe find those alternative uh, round props are certainly in, in-game wagering there uh, as this fight goes on. And I know, Lou, you're very good at finding those maybe uh, rounds, those props to start round three. Maybe look to those and see if you can get some better numbers there. When I look at uh, 50K Dan Ege, I mean, Dan Gay loves a firefight. Bryce Mitchell, he's an interesting guy to say the least, okay? Will he entertain Dan Egay? in a stand-up battle, or is this straight Bryce doing what Bryce does, which is, I'm going to get this fight to the ground come hell or high water. Is there any chance that we s- see this thing standing where you can make Ige logically a live dog at plus 70 i
4: I'm not so sure that I'm going to count Ige's wrestling out in such a manner that he's going to be overwhelmed should this go on the mat. I think Bryce Mitchell surely wants it on the mat, and that's where he wants to compete. And I think Ige has the experience. He's been in with the kind of fighter he knows what's coming, and I think he has the wrestling chops to be able to thwart initial takedowns, keep this thing standing, and do to Bryce Mitchell a little what Tuporia did. Surely Ige's got that plan. I believe he can follow that plan of attack. And it's Mitchell that has everything to prove to me after that clunker against Tuporia, his last fight.
2: Yeah, he did not look competitive against him. and we get it. Maybe he's really arrived, Tuporia at 145. We'll find out. But again, when you look at the total here, two and a half rounds, leading us towards that over at minus two twenty-five. Again, if you just want to play the over, uh that the fight hits the cards rather, minus a dollar ninety. Do you see if the fight goes down to the ground? I mean, Ige is a long shot at a sub at sixteen to one, but maybe you know, like a, a, a club and sub there, or just a club. Kotkrdq on the ground at, at four to one. Is there finishing potential here if you like the dog side?
4: That's the only way I see it. I, if there if there's a finish, I could see Ige as doing it to Mitchell on the stand up. I I don't see Mitchell subbing Dan Ige. I I just can't. I can't fathom it. I can't fathom this fight rolling around on the ground that much. Now, I may have a complete misinterpretation of Ige's takedown defense and what's going to happen in this fight, but I regard Ige as live here, and I think he's getting a little
2: overlooked. When I see uh, Marina Rodriguez back in there and Michelle Warson Gomez, again, Michelle's been around the block, but, you know, Rodriguez, again, she's not— like, this isn't an age differential of 36 to 29. Rodriguez is 36. Michelle's 37. So we get why Rodriguez, with the form that she showed versus what Michelle has shown in recent years, why she's over a $3 betting favorite. Is that too big for you, or do you think it's uh, priced accordingly?
4: I think it's not priced appropriately. Mm. But Marina Rodriguez should be $700. <laughs> the, the hottie is a gal that you wanna to take to the movies, no question. And she she's as cute as a button. However, in this fight, Marina Rodriguez's size, her length, and her striking are just made for Watterson to walk in and take a beating. Now, Watterson's plenty tough, and she's gonna have to be, because she's gonna get shredded in this fight. This is all Marina Rodriguez. And, I... and 310, I'd say go ahead, use her in parlays and such. And I may even look at something uh, inside the distance with Rodriguez because I do believe uh, that she has that kind of ability.
2: Yeah, for the fight not to go the distance, by the way, you can get that no price right now at plus 250. So that's very intriguing, and I, I don't. I'm with you. I don't see Waterston being able to get her out of there, but maybe the Rodriguez side, she might be able to get that done uh, before we get to that third round being completed. Very quickly, Lou, I just want to get your thoughts on the main event uh, and what you might see from Gamrot and Faziv. What type of stylistic fight do you think we're going to see?
4: I'm glad you saved this for the end, Dave, because who? No one knows. <laughs> the key. The key here is. Listen, Gamrod on short notice did well against the striker in Turner. And so he's shown aptitude against wrestlers, Sarukian, and strikers, uh, 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 Turner. Now, you go to the other side in Fazeev, and you have Fazeev who's been set up with nothing but strikers his whole career. And they gave him Gechi Gaichi ain't going to wrestle. I have tremendous question marks as to whether Fazeev is up for this task. I know most people are siding with him, but I'm surely going to have to be convinced that Gamrot is not the right side. I believe he
2: is. Wow. Fascinating breakdown there. in the main event very quickly got about 30 seconds. Tell the people what they get when they listen to the Vault Business podcast.
4: They're going to receive a plop of profit right on their lap. We're up better than 22 units this year, but we have to keep it going. We'll look to do so this week. Thanks so much for having me on, Dave, and good luck to everyone enjoying the fight.
2: Great to have you back. Thinking of your mom, Will, uh, always great to have you back here on First Strike. When we come back, we're going to the Second City to catch up with Jordan Sherwood next, right here on First Strike. Start your morning with VEASAN Daily Morning Bets. Josh Applebaum gives you every piece of info you need to be ready for betting the day's biggest games in just 15 minutes. He discusses the line movement, injuries, and what you need to be looking at before you make those wagers. So make the VEASAN Daily Morning Bets podcast part of your morning routine. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Back here in Las Vegas, I am Dave Ross. We go out to the second city, the great city of Chicago, where Jordan Sherwood joins us once again. You can follow him on X. At Wood on ESPN 1000, you know, I mentioned with the Daily Morning Bets podcast it made it part of your morning routine. Bashing the Bears, is that part of the Monday morning routine now in the great city of Chicago?
5: Yeah, there's a lot of question marks about the quarterback. There's Mm -hmm. question marks about the head coach, about the offensive line. And, And there's a lot of worry that this team that won, what, three games last year is worse than that team that we saw a season ago. So it's not good here in the Second City.
2: That's why we're talking about UFC, so you don't have to talk about the Bears all day, Jordan. Uh, Thank you. Let's get to what I think is the quasi-fight of the night, right? Because we here at First Strike always discuss Jake Collier, and he's going to fight Mohamed Usman. And we do it a little bit tongue in cheek when you look at some of the heavyweights that maybe you go the skill. It's not like you're watching Johnny Jones or Cyril Gahn or Sergey Pavlovich or Tom Aspinall. Collier as a dog at plus a dollar thirty-six against the other Usman, not named Kamara. Uh, Muhammad is now laying a dollar sixty-two. Is there value? I can't believe I'm saying this on Jay Collier.
5: I'd like there to believe there is. And I know we joke that we love Jake Collier's diet, ballooning from a welterweight to a heavyweight. We all (laughs) want to be a part of that. But like the activity that he brings, especially for around round and a half, is, is very frustrating for those lower level heavyweights. And I think that combination with, you know, his takedown defense and really what we've seen out of Muhammad Uzman of late, look, look, it was impressive that he was able to, you know, last the like he did and, and, and with Tafa and get those takedowns. And does he have enough cardio to outlast a round and a half before Jake Collier gets tired? Because he's not in shape. Let's be honest. He's not uh, moving up in, in weight like he has. Is that enough? This time around, I'm going to buy into Jake Collier. Just feeling like the activity, keep this fight standing. Avoid the clinch. There's enough of me that wants to play. Jake Collier here on a Tuesday at plus 140, plus 130, where you could find it. So uh, Muhammad Usman has not impressed me enough where I think he's going to dominate the fight. So Jake Collier can certainly steal this.
2: DQ is four to one for the dog in Collier. Decision is plus 325. You don't think of heavies to go the distance very often, but to your point about Collier coming up from a lighter weight class, ballooning all the way up to the to the limit here at 265. Is this hitting the cards, or do you think he can get Usman out of there?
5: No, I think I think this is a fight uh, that that likely hits the cards uh, with either guy's hand getting raised. You know, uh, he just gassed Did Collier against Chris Barnett, uh, you know, two fights ago. But outside of that, a guy that really has been going to decisions, you know. Uh, unanimous decision over Volante, split decision loss against Felipe. Uh, yeah, he finished Jake, Chase Sherman, but the Arlovsky decision, Boudet decision. So, yeah, I believe that in Collier. And... Obviously, the wrestling that Usman wants to use also lends to takedowns and net fight going to distance. So, yeah, I think the over certainly in play if you don't want to play either side. But I think, again, value on collier as a live dog
2: you just made britain hess's day behind the glass by mentioning john volante so we'll see how this one plays out with jake collier as a dog okay let's get to some maybe some more fights that are aesthetically pleasing to the eye on this card and uh dan 50k k gay back in there against bryce mitchell we know that bryce we talk about fighters all the time their headspace and where they are rose nama Yunus comes to mind here Bryce Mitchell's put a lot of stuff out there on social media with what's going on in his world. And now you got to back him as a $2 favorite. You don't Jordan, but some will. What do you make of Bryce the wrestler against Ige the striker?
5: Yeah. I mean, look, obviously up until the, the fight against Ilya Teporia, you know, everybody was on Bryce Mitchell and, and look, thought that he was the next big thing in this, in this division. But then he ran to a guy that's very well-rounded Teporia. And obviously Teporia is going to probably be fighting uh, for a championship um, against Dan Ege. Look, a guy that I think is well-versed on the ground is going to have the advantage over Bryce Mitchell on the feet, especially with his boxing, some of the best that we have in the featherweight division. And I think a guy that's experienced going five rounds is obviously a three-round fight. A guy that's you know hits with a lot of power. Bryce Mitchell coming off the loss where he was finished. Uh, and if he's not able to get this fight to the ground, and if he does, like he has a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I know there's probably differences between the two skill sets. Mitchell probably a little bit of an advantage, but decisive advantage for me, Dave, with Ige on the feet. So I like Ige at plus money. I'm surprised that the line is that swayed towards Bryce Mitchell.
2: Thug Nasty against 50K Ige, two really good nicknames, two really good fighters in there. But I'm with you. I understand why there feels like there might be some value side with that number ballooning towards Bryce Mitchell now. Ige at plus seventy certainly looks a lot better than when it was about to plus twenty-five, plus thirty when it opened. So I'm picking up what you're putting down there. I do want to get to uh, Tim Means. And you think of Tim Means and veteran, been around, kind of dirty, nasty in there against Andre Fialho. Uh, Fialho right now is a solid favorite, about at minus $1.80, both these guys feel like maybe they, I would assume Means would have wanted this fight to go a little bit longer. Maybe Andre wants to get out of there a little bit quicker. How do you see this fight breaking down here at
3: Welterweight?
5: Look, how how are we backing a guy uh, in Fialo who's been knocked out three times in a row a- a- as a big dog going up in a fight against Tim Means? So yeah, he's getting up there in age, but like a guy that's going to stand and trade, still hits hard uh, and is a tough guy to get out of there. Like I- I'm shocked again by this line as much as I'm shocked with the Dan Ige line. I think that this is a fight that Tim Means it's a step down in competition. He, you know, his three losses in a row, and Griffin, Murano, You know, well-rounded, very good guys in the welterweight division. I think Tim Means knowing that this is a fight that's going to be standing. Uh, he's very elusive with his defense. He-, he he fades off of strikes extremely well, and if it gets dirty up in the pocket, like I don't trust the the, the chin anymore, Fiallo. So I-, I think Tim Means. Touches it up once, he can get him out of there quite quickly, and it can be four losses in a row now via finish uh, for Fialo.
2: Wow. So maybe Tim means inside the distance what you could be looking at there to get an even better price point. Already a pretty good one right there at plus $1.45. We've got kind of that classic wrestler-striker matchup, like we might see also in the main event, with Brian Battle against A.J. Fletcher. When you look at a guy with a 10-inch reach disadvantage in Fletcher – it's hard for me to see any avenue of approach where he says, I'll be okay exchanging on the feet with a guy like Brian Battle. So you got to think Fletcher wants to get this down to the ground. If that doesn't happen, is this one-way traffic for Brian Battle?
5: Yeah, look, I I think Brian Battle came out uh, of the Ultimate Fighter, obviously high credentials, looked impressive, I think in his UFC debut, stumbled in his second sophomore appearance and then looked fantastic, obviously. Uh, you know, when when you're fighting a guy that's running at you face first with his hands down, uh, <laughs> you're gonna look good. But like I think Brian Battle is can be special, uh, a guy that that is a very good athlete can keep this fight standing, take advantage of that reach advantage against AJ Fletcher, as you alluded to, Dave. Yes, Fletcher, if he gets this fight to the ground, he's gonna have an advantage and, and be able to take this into the deeper waters, maybe we're, we'll question Brian Battle's uh, cardio and his ability to go deeper into fights. But I think Brian Battle is a special talent. Uh, he's got knockout power and the ability to keep this fight standing. But I will trend this. It's at $2 right now, I believe, last I checked. Mm -hmm. Um, If it sways a little bit more towards battle, that's probably a stay away, not a play on Fletcher but just a stay away for me just because I don't think battle should be as that significant of a favor, especially with a guy like AJ Fletcher that can take this fight to the ground and get an advantage.
2: Yeah. Um, again, great point there that it might get outpriced for you. If this keeps going north of $2 where it is right now for Brian battle. Uh, when you look at the main event here, Mateus Gamrot is a small dog against Rafael Fiziev, and Fiziev, you know, he, he was over a $2 betting favorite against Justin Gaethje, right? And we saw Gaethje get a takedown. I I think maybe Justin did that just so everybody like me would stop talking about why doesn't he ever wrestle? We know Gamrot wants to wrestle here. How do you see the main event playing out? And do you think it's a long night in the office here for potentially five rounds for these lightweights?
5: Yeah, I think so. I think both of these guys, obviously at the top upper echelon of the lightweight division, we know what Fazeev can do from a striking standpoint, very elusive. I think he's the type of gut fighter. that's going to like learn a lot from a loss, a lot of people had him favored, maybe potentially winning the fight against Justin Gagey. Obviously that was for not. The same argument can be made about my, uh, Gamrot. Like, look, I had Jalen Turner winning the fight. I thought he was gonna smoke Gamrot, he did not. Gamrot lasted him, took him down, was able to take advantage of that. But I think Vaziv, just well, too well-schooled, a guy that's really coming into his own, not no longer a striker, a well-versed, well-schooled, well-rounded mixed martial artist. The advantages on the feet, plus the ability to keep the fight standing is why I lean towards uh, 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 Faziv in this fight. But I think it goes to the later rounds. I'm not sure we're going to see a finish, probably a five-round barn burner between both these guys with Faziv getting his hand raised at the end.
2: It should be a very, very interesting main event. 30 seconds to go. The unnamed MMA podcast in Chicago. We do not talk bears. What are people going to hear?
5: Yeah, thankfully we don't talk Bears, but thankfully (laughs) we talk MMA, we talk UFC, we break down every fight, we talk about the fights we just alluded to, plus some plays that I'm going to recommend. It'll be recorded Friday out via podcast on the ESPN
3: Chicago app.
2: There he is, everybody. Jordan Sherwood still got a smile on his face despite what's going on in the Windy City. Jordan, try to enjoy some football this weekend. Of course, the UFC fights. We'll see you next week. When we come back, we're going to Washington, D.C. Riku next here on First Strike. We roll on this edition of First Strike. Dave Ross here in Las Vegas going out to Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. Catch up with our guy, Reed Kuhn. You can follow him on X at Fightnomics. He is the author of a book of the same name. Reed, we have to start off today with an injury update. How's the elbow? Again, because our producer extraordinaire, Britton Hess, we went to see you in D.C. All of a sudden, you come back with a bad wing. We don't know if there was any grappling exchange. How are you feeling?
6: It was not an arm bar. Uh, my record is clean on submissions. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm just rehabbing like a typical guy my age.
2: Yeah, I, I know the feeling. I, I have to rehab every day when I wake up. Uh, let's get to this fight card here because, there. when you look at the main event, I am really intrigued stylistically about what we might see from Rafael Fazeev against uh, Matias Gamrot here. And when you look at uh, Gamrot, I think the Tarzukian fight is the one that really stands out, right? It was just for an MMA aficionado like yourself and for really hardcore fans of the sport, it was a a grappler's delight, right? The exchanges on the ground were fantastic. We're probably not going to get that fight, at least if Rafael Fazeev has anything to say about it. What are the numbers dictating to you when you look at the main event?
6: Yeah, if I remember back to that fight, I did bet Gamrot as an underdog there, and it came through. Granted, it was close. You're right. It was a grappler's delay. That's not what we're going to see here. What we see here is clearly a striker versus grappler and fazeev. One of the most insane metrics is that when you think about power punches versus jabs, there's normally an even distribution. People, you know, the old one, two, not with this guy. This guy is swinging for the fence 93% of the time. So he clearly wants to knock people out. Now, he could also be gassing himself out. And by the way, he does have poor defense, which is what we saw in the Gaethje fight. So when he goes toe-to-toe, he's all-in. And with Gamrot, that could be a problem. You know, That power is a a threat, and Gamrot has been knocked down a few times. But I don't see Gamrot staying there for very long. He loves to take it to the ground, and Fazeev is not someone who wants to be there. However... High takedown defense for Fazeev. So there's a lot of give and take on this. I expect the lines to stay tight. I might be waiting on the price to see how high it goes on Gamrot, but leaning the wrestler. But this is not a high value play because of the factors involved.
2: Yeah, because normally your models, I know it normally leads you towards that wrestling side, but maybe not as glaring this time around. It is fascinating because you mentioned with Faziv, the all-in mentality, and we saw him in that three-round war with Justin Gaethje, and Justin actually got a takedown in that third round, which you don't see very often. Does this have the—is the, the, there finishing potential that the models are showing, or do you think, again, we really don't see Faziv in this spot in the five-round main events very often, and we know Gamrot, Oh, certainly has the cardio to go five. Is there any leans either way with, with finishing potential or is it juiced accordingly here? Minus $1. thirty for over four and a half rounds.
6: Well, first we look at the striker. So Fazib is the striker. He has good accuracy. He has decent power. He's swinging for the fences. And on the other side, Gamrot has Okay defense, but a bad chin. He's been dropped four times, mm. which I think is more than anybody on this card, maybe outside of veteran like Tim Means. Uh so that's a liability. So is there a finishing potential for Fiziv? Yes, for striking. Is there finishing potential for Gamrot? Yes. On the ground. I think if you think it's going three rounds. I'm leaning towards Gamrot in a decision because that means he withstood that early storm, maybe he wears Fiziev down, gets him tired and then he uses his wrestling to wins maybe round 2 and 3 uh or or even later 4 and 5. You know, I I think he has the tank to win the the back half. Maybe this is also a live betting opportunity. You know, is if he's losing early Gamrot and he's getting hit Maybe he comes back late, and that's where we see his best skills because Fiziev empties the tank trying to swing for the fences. So there's a lot going on here. I don't know if I'm going to have a really strong opinion one way or the other, but value-wise, upset money plus money on wrestlers in this type of situation is the safer play for me. Otherwise, you're banking on Fiziev to do something that not many people have done, which is really just exploit Gamrod on the feet.
2: I tell you, you just uh, picked up exactly what I was going to put down as far as the live betting opportunity. You're a great follower on X for many reasons, but also for that because you can, if Gamrat were to lose, say the first round, uh, but you could see maybe later on he's starting to physique, starting to gas a little bit, and that real, wrestling really takes over. Could be some really good, juicy opportunities uh, for those numbers game in there in the live betting market for sure as well. Let's get to another fight here with Charles Jordan, and again I, I keep saying this because I I just can't get the stink of the Cron Gracie fight out of my head when I look at Charles Jordan, But again, as Lou Finicaro pointed out, it's not Jordan's fault for that stylistically nightmare we saw last time out. What about Ricardo now? Looks like Ricardo might say, okay, Charles, you want to stand and bang? I'm the guy for you. What are the numbers showing you?
6: Yeah, it's this one's fairly even um, again like similarly aged guys they both have had success with their hands they have similar knockdown rates uh, similar pace um, i would say charles Jourdain is the more slick striker he's more technical um, he makes it look kind of easy sometimes with his hands so i would give a slight edge there to Jourdain on the feet uh, but he also doesn't want it to go to the ground as we see with great strikers they want to keep it where they are best and so Ramos is definitely the one that is more likely to initiate takedowns. He does have better ground control. Uh, so looking at the takedown defense of Jourdain, only 49%. That's actually below average. So that could be the liability here. Uh, but this is one where I'm probably not backing a striker. This is going to be the theme on the entire card, spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, but yeah, if if I have to lean one way, it's Ramos. But otherwise, this is a very close matchup.
2: Well, let's stick with that same mentality of striker versus wrestler, and that comes in the co-main event with Thug Nasty against 50K Ige. So you just laid it out there, right? And again, we've seen this number really get steamed to the Mitchell side here as we get closer and closer over to a $2 betting favorite now. My only concern, Reed, is nothing that your numbers could show. It's just where is Bryce's head with all the things he's throwing out there on X in his personal life. But that notwithstanding... Are the metrics leading you right to you Thug Nasty?
6: Yes, obviously. Uh, so when I look at those grappling metrics, this is one of the most extreme matchups wow. on this card. You have Bryce Mitchell. Uh, he has more submission attempts than anybody on this card. He attempts frequent uh, takedowns. He is in dominant control. He has high transition frequency. So he's able to change position, look for different angles. And you've got Dan Ige you know, 58% takedown defense, not good, you know, average at best. Um, And he's usually outranged. Now, at least they're similarly sized. I've been a backer of Ige before and seen him just not be able to close the distance in a striking war, but he obviously wants to punch this out. So Mitchell, if he's smart, he's going to take this to the ground. Don't know where his head's at. As you point out, the guy's kind of a wild man, but he tends to show up when he's in the cage and he is great at just wet blanking blanketing people on the ground. And so I expect to see that here for at least three rounds if he doesn't get a submission first.
2: Wow. So maybe we've seen him with those twisters in the past. So there might be some finishing potential here for, for Bryce Mitchell on the ground as well. One fight I haven't talked about that you might have a lean on here is Jacob Malkoon against Cody Brundage. And Malkoon is a rather large favorite we're seeing here, almost a $5 betting favorite. But sometimes we've talked about this a lot with you in the past, Reed. Sometimes the numbers lead you to believe that maybe it's not even as big. He should be a bigger favorite. Are those numbers leading you there with Malkoon?
6: They are. They're they're confirming that he should be a big favorite here. And again, we have the same uh, mismatch here. We've got a guy who's a striker, uh, against someone who's been very dominant on the ground in terms of controlling people, I would throw out here, which makes me nervous of, I, and probably not going to lay this juice on, on Malkoon, is that Brundage has an 8% knockdown rate, which is really, really high. It's way above what you would normally even see for heavyweights. Mm. So as a middleweight, this guy can throw bombs. And Malkoon has poor head strike defense, which means he eats a lot of punches. So when I'm looking for someone with a puncher's chance, It's usually this type of situation, someone with bad defense who's vulnerable, who doesn't want to stand, and another guy who has tons of power. Now, that doesn't matter if Brundage is on his back for three rounds, um, but anybody who's thinking of taking a flyer on a dog, I think you just go all in and go for the knockout prop and, and get a big return. But um, what I'm expecting to see is Malkoon just wrestle his way to victory.
2: All right, so there it is, the wrestler-striker matchup there. Also, a big favorite that we see here is Marina Rodriguez against Michelle Waterson Gomez here. We know that uh, Rodriguez has got that that advantage there, certainly a three-inch reach advantage there and a three-inch height advantage. Michelle, you got to think she's got to get inside. Is, is there a live dog scenario for the 37-year-old Michelle Waterson?
6: easily i think there is um and i might be looking for a submission prop if you look at michelle watterson she may be the karate hottie but she has more submission victories than tko victories she is actually kind of slick on the ground and marina is going to piece her up on the feet that's what happened last time but marina is definitely vulnerable to wrestlers and all we need to see is michelle alter her game plan to be wrestling first and she is smart enough to do that i think she's done it in the past uh and as a long shot underdog uh, for a submission prop, you're probably going to get like 10 to 1 on that, first of all. Uh, but even just at, at a money line, she could wrestle her way here. So I, I told you the theme of the week here is definitely leaning on the wrestlers. Um, and this is another fight that I did not expect to see that dynamic, but it's there. Rodriguez is vulnerable, and the age differential is not what I expected it to be. It's only one year age difference. Both women are getting a little bit on in their careers. So uh, this is an interesting second shot for Watterson.
2: Twelve to one via sub for the Karate Hottie Reed. Appreciate you as always, my friend. Enjoy the fights on Saturday, and we'll see you next week right back here. First Strike on Visa, the sports betting network.